Hey friends, this is Reverend McKinley Sims from UU Restoration in beautiful Philadelphia. We've taken a backseat from creating different kinds of podcasts thanks to the COVID crisis. But what we have been doing is I've been creating content on our public Facebook page, facebook.com slash UU Restoration. We've been doing an everyday theology series, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. The videos usually come out live. I wanted to share the audio here on the podcast stream to get back in the habit of making podcasts and to get wider reach on the videos that we're doing. So the audio that you're about to hear is from our series, Tuesday Theology, Everyday Theology, Theology 101. I call it a bunch of different things, but you'll get the picture after you hear the first episode. Thanks for sticking with us. Stay safe out there. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another Everyday Theology, Tuesday Theology, Theology 101, whatever it is we're calling it these days. My name is Reverend McKinley Sims. I use he, him pronouns, and we are streaming live on UU Restoration's Facebook page, our public Facebook page. I serve as the minister at UU Restoration in Northwest Philadelphia, the Mount Airy neighborhood. It is May. It's been a little rainy. So we're trying to find ways to stay connected, stay committed, and keep thinking theologically in these times. So you can check out some of our other videos here on our public Facebook page by searching back through our posts to see Tuesdays. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. we post a video that's about asking deep questions in life, about trying to make meaning of what's going on in our world, inside of ourselves, and helping us understand or what it means to be religious people, spiritual people, even if you don't identify as Christian or Jewish or Muslim or Quaker, and we don't identify as a theist at all. You can be a humanist, an atheist, an agnostic, and still do theology, still think theologically. So what I wanted to talk about today, as we move into the month of May, our Soul Matters theme at Restoration for Worship is about thresholds, transitions, and tipping points. That's what we're preaching on, speaking on, singing about, praying about. Thresholds, transitions, and tipping points. And if you were like me, you may be feeling like you were in a threshold place where you're tired of this way of existence, tired of the news, tired of everything. I have recently found the most tired about wearing a mask outside. That that's my threshold. I'm at a transition point, at a tipping point where I don't want to wear a mask anymore. I'm tired of it because my face gets all gross and it, it feels weird. And I don't want it to become something normal. Right? I want everyone to be healthy and safe and free to do the things that we've been able to do, that we want to do, to gather together, to be in church, to go to the grocery store without fear. And thinking theologically behind all that is what I want to focus on today. Because the key to doing theology every day, to doing everyday theology, to living, breathing, spirituality, into all that you do, is to think deeper about these common thoughts and common actions. So for me, when I'm feeling anxious or frustrated or upset about having to wear this mask, 
right? That comes from a great place of, place of privilege because I'm not sick. I have a house that I live in, I have food on the table. I get to wear a mask, right? I'm privileged enough to be able to have a mask, to be able to buy a mask or have someone make me a mask and send it to me that I can wear it outside. Uh, I'm privileged to have a washing machine that I can wash my mask in, right? So it's not exactly a woe is me situation, but it is something real that I'm feeling, right? I'm at this transition point, this threshold, where I've been wearing a mask for a while and I'm getting frustrated with it, tired of it. So thinking theologically about that is to think about what it means to wear a mask and how it connects to who I am as a person and my identity as a person. So go with me on this. Usually when we think about wearing masks, right, we think of it as hiding who we are. I would put my actual mask on, but we went for a walk earlier and it's been outside. So treating it as if it's contaminated and leaving it over there. But it's, you know, it's a cloth mask. It has red and blue stars on it. Usually when we think of wearing a mask, we think of it hiding who someone is, right? That it hides someone's identity. It protects someone from the outside world, right? I grew up playing football and we would wear face masks with a helmet protects you. It protects you from outside stuff. It hides who you are as an individual. And it also makes you look like everyone else on your team, right? So it hides who you are as an individual, but it does connect you to the wider community. I think there's something interesting about that. That usually when we think of wearing masks, we think of hiding who we are. But if you go to a masquerade ball or a, uh, it's Halloween or you play football, right? Wearing the mask actually connects you to everyone else in your community, on your team. Interestingly, in this time though, in times of the Corona age, wearing a mask doesn't just hide your identity. It actually shows people something about who you are, about what you believe about what your values are and how you act. Because wearing a mask in these times is not just about you or me, it's about all of us. It's not just about helping me to stay healthy, which we think it does, right? We think it helps at least a little bit, prevents some kind of infection, but it really, really prevents me from infecting someone else, it prevents me from causing harm to someone else. So the wearing of the mask doesn't hide my identity or hide my values in this situation, right? It tells people something about me. When someone outside sees me wearing the mask, they say, oh yeah, that guy, he's with the program. He's looking out for his neighbors, for his community. He's not being selfish because that's the real impulse behind me not wanting to wear the mask, right? It's selfishness. And it comes from a place of anxiety. It comes from fear, from frustration, from worry. So it's easy to become selfish in these times. And the wearing of the mask, rather than hiding that, actually shows the world that, well, I may not want to wear it, but I'm choosing to, to be connected to everyone else and to help protect others. 
That's a faith statement. Are you with me? That is a theological statement. That choosing to put others above yourself is about living up to our highest values. So in my Unitarian Universalist community, we talk about the inherent worth and dignity of every human being and building a place of world justice and peace, a community based on justice and peace where everyone has what they need. We talk about building a beloved community, echoing the Dr. Martin Luther King. What does it mean to build a beloved community in these times? It starts with showing people who you are. In this case, putting on a mask. I find that deeply interesting. It's almost paradoxical, and it's a little bit, I don't know if this is exactly the right analogy, but parabolic, not having to do with a parabola, although there is something about the parabola, right? The parabola is this, that when you go far enough, you come back to the place where you were, but having to do with parables. As the rabbi from Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, was fond to speak of in parables. And often his parables were stories that you thought you knew the punchline to, but in fact, it is the opposite of what you imagine, of what you expect, what Jesus' parables often were. Common tropes of ancient Near East stories that start out as you expect them to be, but then at some point they flip on their head. And when they come back down, it's not what you expect. You learn a different lesson than the one that you were looking for. So in a similar way, in these days when putting on a mask is usually what hides someone's face and identity. In these days, putting on a mask is actually what tells people about who you are and what you believe. So Jesus' parables do the same things. And I've been thinking about, in these days, when putting on a mask means being a good neighbor to me. That's thinking theologically. Doing what you're supposed to be doing because someone says you're supposed to be doing it, right? It's not just listening to the CDC or the government or elected leaders. It's about why you're doing it. And the why could be because I don't want to get sick and that's fine. But that is a self-centered reason. So the next theological level is what does that mean for others? I'm doing this so others don't get sick because I care about others because I care about my family, my friends, my relatives, my neighbors. And then the next level is, what does that mean for us as a society? Right? If we all cared about our neighbors, if we all care about one another in that way. Giving a theological reason for why you do what you do is a fun exercise. And no matter your or your religious tradition, you can lean on it to give a little bit of spirit juice to the stuff you do. Right? This is the whole theory behind spiritual music. Right? You're not just singing. In church and said God at the masjid. You're not just singing at a concert. You're doing something deeper, right? You're participating, you're praising, you're worshiping, you're making joyful noise. You're not just having bread and drinking a cup of wine with your friends. You're having communion. You're not just sitting in pews. You're having a service. You're not just giving food to someone else. 
performing acts of charity, performing acts of love. You are loving your neighbor as yourself. I want to encourage you, this is the ask, is to think theologically about all the things that you do in your life and try and find a spiritual dimension to it. Right? You're not just doing your chores. You're doing your chores because it's showing care for the planet, for your house, for your home, for your partner, for your family. It's being a good neighbor. It's being a good citizen. It often comes down to it being an act of love. How's what I'm doing right now an act of love? That's what I want us to think about this week. So for me, wearing the mask is an act of love. And it has this parabolic function of not being what I expect it to be. So I was thinking about one of the most famous parables from the gospel according to someone named Luke, where Jesus tells a story about a good Samaritan. I think we all probably have like kind of heard this story, even if we didn't grow up in the Christian church, of what it means to be a good Samaritan. And I'm going to share my accordance software with you so you can see this. This is from Luke 10.29. The Samaritan, right? The Samaritan was a, an ethnicity of people. They were despised by this brand of Judaism that Jesus grew up in. So the Samaritans were like enemies of the Jewish people, of the Israelites. So we probably all know about the Samaritan being on the roadside and the people go by or the, sorry, the wounded man being on the roadside. People go by and it's the Samaritan who helps him. We're all kind of familiar with that. It's a story about how you're supposed to love your neighbor and take care of people. Interestingly, that's how the uh, story starts out that I want to focus on. Just then, this is the beginning of the pericope or the parable, Luke 10, 25. A lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is how the story of the Good Samaritan starts out. It's about a guy asking how he can save himself from a selfishness point of view, a self-centered point of view. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what's written in the law, the Torah? What do you read there? Answer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he, Jesus, said to him, the lawyer, you've given the right answer. Do this, and you'll live. But wanting to justify himself, he, the lawyer, asked Jesus. He's not satisfied. He asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he's either trying to test Jesus, or he's trying to really make sure that he, the lawyer, is doing the right thing, that he's doing it absolutely right, so he gets what's coming to him. He gets a treasure, eternal life. Who is my neighbor? Verse 30, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Not really an answer to the question, who is my neighbor? Kind of just launching into a story. Here's the thing about parables, though. When Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. A man was on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is a very common story that the listeners 2,000 years ago would have immediately picked up on. 
They know exactly what it means for someone to be going from Jerusalem to Jericho. That that road is dangerous. That road is well-traveled, but it's also full of robbers. It's not smart to go alone. It's not smart to go at night. All of these things has a connotation, right? So if you're from Philadelphia, right? And you, or you spent any time in Philadelphia. It's like if someone was saying, a man was walking down to the corner of K and A, right? Kensington, Allegheny, where it's commonly known that there are a lot of issues with drug trafficking and drug trade, homeless populations, folks in need of help and support, right? So if I said someone was at the corner of K and A, in your mind, you would be thinking, oh, okay, this must have something to do with the addictive addiction opioid crisis with uh, you know something related to drugs something related to violence you know what that story means it's a similar thing a man was going down from jerusalem to jericho fell into the hands okay everyone knows that's what's going to happen now by chance verse 31 now by chance a priest was going down the road when he saw him he passed by on the other side religious person passed by on the other side a Levite, someone who works in the temple, someone who benefits from the Roman occupation, who works at the temple in Jerusalem, came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan while traveling came near him. When he saw him, he was moved with pity. And Jesus goes on to explain all the things that the Samaritan does, going above and beyond the call of duty. What the lawyer would say is the call of duty the call of the neighbor to love as you love yourself. And the story ends in a completely different place. Verse 36, which of these three do you think, Mr. Lawyer, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. The one who showed him mercy go and do likewise. What does it mean to be a neighbor? Who is my neighbor? To show mercy, to show love, to do things not just to do them, but to do them with a reason. To give someone who does not have what you have, to help someone in a way that you can, to help support someone who hasn't had those supports. That's what it means to be a neighbor, to do what you can and to push yourself to do maybe a little bit more than you're used to or you think you need to. And when you're feeling in a place of self-centeredness, as I have been about this mask, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to stop wearing this mask? Think theologically and to think about what it means to be a neighbor. It's to put on a mask, not to hide our identity, but to show the world who we are, to show our community what we believe, what we value. As Unitarian Universalists, as Christians, Jews, atheists, Muslims, agnostics, spiritualists, Wiccans, whatever. Showing up in these times, I think, is about telling people who we are and what we believe about doing things out of love, out of mercy, out of caring, out of being a good neighbor. This is what I think the world is calling for.
So as I stand at this transition and this tipping point, this threshold of being tired of wearing the mask, I'm trying to remind myself that every time I put that mask on, I'm doing so from a place of great privilege. So it's not that I have to wear the mask, it's that I get to wear the mask. I'm lucky enough to be able to wear the mask. I think about all the people who put on masks to go and serve others every day, all day for much longer periods than I. I think about the folks who have lost their lives, have lost loved ones. And it helps pull me out of that self-centered place. It helps me out of being like the lawyer who tries to justify himself by saying, well, who is my neighbor? Right? Is it the people over at KNA? Is it people all up and down my street or just right next to me? Is it just my family? Finding in these times when we're supposed to be socially disconnected and socially isolated, we also have technology like this that instantly connects us to anywhere in the world. So if I can talk with someone in California, in China, in Benin, in uh, Belgium, instantly through the magic of Zoom, through the magic of Facebook Live, aren't they my neighbor? Aren't we all actually more connected than we thought? Even though putting on these masks was supposed to disconnect us, even though the president wants to disconnect us and disorient us and divide us every day, aren't we somehow more connected now? So if you are my neighbors and I am your neighbor, how can I act with love? How can I love you as I'm supposed to love myself? To act with mercy, with grace, with charity, to put on a mask and to show you what I believe and what I value. So my friends, how will you show your community what you value, what you hold up, what you believe? How will you act with love? And how you name it and claim it to yourself and to others. Say, so, no, I'm not just putting on this mask because I have to. I'm being a good neighbor. I'm channeling a little spiritual juice here, a little love with a capital L. I'm helping take care of myself and my community because that's what we're called to do. To be neighbors, to be a community, to build the beloved community. And it starts with small actions but small actions that have deep resonance and deep meaning. So whatever your small actions are, if you're supporting local businesses, if you're donating food, donating supplies, if you're working as an essential worker in the healthcare field, if you're helping at the test sites, do it with love, do it with spirit, because you're part of the great love with a capital L that I believe in. And that's pretty cool. So if you find yourself in a place of self-centeredness, open up, let that love flow out. Start to think about why you're doing these things. To ask what it means to be a good neighbor. And then maybe share it with people. You don't have to convince them to come to our church or watch any of these videos, but just say, hey, I'm doing this because I love. Because I love you, because I love me, I love my family, I love our community. Or I'm doing this because it's important to me. Maybe that's all it needs to be. Whatever your theology says, whatever your religious tradition says, whatever words you find for it, 
I hope you will do these small actions with love and help me and others move on from this threshold and this tipping point of self-centeredness into a space of community. Beloved community of love with a capital L. May it be so, friends. Amen. You can find more of these videos by scrolling up and down our Facebook page. We do them every Tuesday at 3 p.m., either live as we are today or with a recorded message if I have a meeting. We'll see. I'm trying to offer myself mercy and grace in these times as well. If you have questions, comments, topics you want us to talk about on Tuesday Theology, Everyday Theology, Theology 101, whatever we're calling it, you can put them in the comments below. If this is your first time finding us and you want to know more about Unitarian Universalism or specifically about our congregation, UU Restoration, drop a comment in the box, send us a message, or you can find us at uurestoration.us. We just had Music Sunday and it was an incredible service. So please go look for that and find us and just let us know how you're doing and how we can support you. That's all for today, friends. May grace and peace go with you.